Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Radio Studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset. Championship for Notre Dame! Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com. The free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the program on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and on the free WSBT radio app a video feed is right now available on our twitch app eight minutes after five o'clock i hope you've had a terrific friday march the 31st of 2023 our program tonight is shortened to 90 minutes because we have some play-by-play coming your way at 6 30 It is coverage of the NCAA Women's Basketball Final Four. A doubleheader coming up tonight. LSU and Virginia Tech in game one at 7 o'clock. In the nightcap, defending national champion and undefeated South Carolina takes on that terrific offensive squad from Iowa City, the Iowa Hawkeyes. And then tomorrow we've got the men's final four at 6.09. Florida Atlantic taking on San Diego State. And then at 8.49, UConn taking on Miami. Coverage of the final fours on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. It's been kind of a newsy college basketball day, in particular in the Big Ten. Not a shock here, but Indiana's Jalen Hood Shafino is entering the NBA draft after one year in Bloomington. 13 points, four rebounds, four assists per ball game. And Michigan's seven-foot center Hunter Dickinson has had enough of Juwan Howard Ball in Ann Arbor. I think he's probably tired of losing. He has entered the transfer portal. That's a very interesting player that has jumped into the portal, which has over 1,000 players currently in it. And Zach Eady of the Boilermakers named Associated Press Men's College Basketball Player of the Year. The other first place vote went to Indiana's Trace Jackson Davis. So some hoop news on this night before the Final Four down in Houston, Texas. On our program this evening, we'll have some college basketball theme segments as well at the bottom of this hour at 5:30, i'm going to be joined by the head basketball coach at ancilla college jeremy herring he played for micah shrewsbury the new notre dame basketball coach at iu south bend we'll talk to jeremy about playing for coach shrewsbury also coming up at 606 more from micah shrewsbury's press conference yesterday in which he talked about his influences brad stevens and Matt Painter working for those two individuals, Stevens at Butler and the Boston Celtics. Painter, of course, with the Purdue Boilermakers. So more from Coach Shrewsbury coming up 
at the start of the 6 o'clock hour. We've got our Twitter question of the day coming up here in just a little bit. We'll end the program with some sizzler right before 6.30 when we join the Women's Final Four here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. But we're going to start things off with Notre Dame football spring practice talk. Fighting hours back at it today. And after practice, the quarterbacks and the quarterback coach met the media. So we've got some sound for you, some fresh sound from the signal callers of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, Sam Hartman, Tyler Buckner, and of course the quarterback coach is Gino Gadouli. Let's start things off by hearing from Tyler Buckner, the junior quarterback. Had an interesting Gator Bowl. A lot of highlights, some rough moments as well. First game back from shoulder surgery. That injury in game two of the regular season. Helping the Irish to pick up the victory. But now he's going to be the backup to the Wake Forest grad transfer, Sam Hartman. Buckner had some thoughts today on the offense that he knew very well, which was ran by former Irish offensive coordinator Tommy Reese, and now Jared Parker taking over as offensive coordinator. How would he describe the similarities, the differences between Reese's offense and Parker's offense? Yeah, he's, he's getting used to just the different tempos. Like, he's used to going 100 miles. And I apologize, the wrong soundbite. Ignited there, so let's try it one more time. I think this is the right cut. Let's try it again. Tyler Buckner on the new offense. Yeah, uh, roots and bolts are still the same. Um, formations, motions. So I didn't have to do any real, like, you know, Quizlets, note cards, study guide, you know, things like that to learn the formations and motions. But uh, they've added some good nuggets, some good new plays, some good concepts and things like that that, uh, you know, really help this offense. It's going to be good plays for us. Um, and also slim down some things that, you know, we're a little extra weight or things we didn't use all the time. So just keep things uh, linear and, you know, keep it all compact and easy for us to go out there and operate. I'm not an offensive coordinator. I'm not a play caller. I'm just an observer of college football. We all watch these games in our own way. Personally, I hope Parker installs a screen package to take advantage of the great versatility in the backfield. We'll see if the offensive linemen put up front are capable of being involved in screenplays. That's important, too. But more than anything else, I'd love to see the wide receivers use the middle of the field. In third down situations, run that quick slant. Get that little separation between the receiver and the corner and have a guy like Hartman have the confidence to zip it in there. Reese wasn't a slant guy. We'll see if that is added to the Notre Dame arsenal with Jared Parker now involved in this fighting Irish offense as offensive coordinator. Retains his tight end coaching position as well, but he'll be calling the plays for the fighting Irish in 2023. Here is new quarterback coach Gino Gadouli talking about the guy the Irish brought in to take the reins of this offense, quarterback Sam Hartman. Yeah, he's, he's getting used to just the different tempos. Like, he's used to going 100 miles an hour at, at Wake Forest. He's used to being in shotgun every single play. And uh, so some of the things, just breaking the huddle, getting in the huddle, getting under center, some of that's a little bit of adjustment for him, but he's embracing it. Uh, he's a worker, and uh, he's going to help us win a lot of games. That's important. Doesn't seem like a big deal. But, yeah, he was running a very fast-paced offense in the shotgun. Only time he would be under center is – when they were just snapping the football to run out the clock. I remember when Drew Brees of Purdue got ready for the National Football League. He had to get a good feel for how to take the snap from under center and go through the progressions, get the right footwork. It is a bit of a process. Hartman has plenty of time to get all that down. But it is a bit of a transition from the offense he ran at Wake Forest to what is going to be asked of him here at the University of Notre Dame. In fact, here is Hartman talking about learning to take snaps from under center and also huddling up, making the call in the huddle rather than at the line of scrimmage. Uh, yeah, I really never did it. Um, the only time we ever did it was uh, victory formation. So 
you know, those are pretty low-stake uh, center quarterback exchanges. Um, so, yeah, it's just definitely a learning curve for me. And, um, you know, Gino's been great with kind of working with me before after practice on our off days um, as much as I can. You're working with the backs, working with the center. Um, but, you know, it's again, it's going to come with time. It's just a lot of just reps and rhythm and, you know, getting a feel for which ways, you know, forward and backwards. And um, but it's been it's been cool. You know, it's a different part of the game that I haven't really experienced. So um, it's been kind of fun. And you know, uh, really, Tyler's I feel like has a master mastery at it. So it's been fun to learn from him, watch him. You know, he's a lot more smooth than I am. Um, admittedly, he's a lot better athlete than I am as well. So um, he's kind of got me on a lot of those. But uh, it's been cool to watch. And you know, I watch his I watch his footwork every time. That'd be that'd be nice. But we'll get there one day. Sam Hartman. Talking about doing some things a little differently in this Fighting Irish offense. A little over a week into spring practice, Sam Hartman on his takeaways from working with the offense so far. With the team, really good. Um, still learning the offense, you know, every day. Uh, you know, I feel like taking steps in the right direction, but, you know, still learning a lot, still um, kind of trying to lose, you know, the. Uh, the old stuff or, you know, forget the old reactions and kind of take in the new ones. Um, but it's been great. You know, they're, uh, they're patient with me when I make my mistakes and the, uh, the guys up front are, you know, they, they get on me sometimes for not saying something right or um, my verbiage is off. But uh, it's been great. It's been a great transition. Um, it's been really cool to just be a part of. And, you know, there's a lot of intensity in practice, defense and offense. And the guys up front have uh, it's just been cool to kind of get in the huddle and, you know, spit some words out. and. Um, you know, play some football. I think that's been the best part of it. You know, comfortability or not, it's just it's great to just you know have pads on and, and be out there. There you go, your new quarterback, Sam Hartman. His thoughts on the Irish so far this spring. Blue goal game coming up on April the 22nd. Our chance to see Sam Hartman play in that Notre Dame jersey for the first time in as close to a game situation as we can have, and you'll be able to hear the Blue Goal game right here on WSBT Radio. I'm looking forward to having the play-by-play of that game on Saturday, April the 22nd at 2 o'clock, live on 960 AM WSBT. Irish going back to work tomorrow, another practice at the University of Notre Dame. Hat trick opening topic number two for this Friday. I just want to focus on a guy that pitched for a few months, just a couple of blocks down the street at Four Winds Field. Dylan Cease, the Chicago White Sox starting pitcher, had a terrific opening night. Not sure it's the right phrase, but he's off to a pretty good start in validating what he was able to accomplish last year. The Chicago Cubs... Rolled the dice on Dylan Cease back in 2014, a highly acclaimed high school pitcher that had to have Tommy John surgery. They got him, I want to say it was in the sixth round. Gave him more than slot to get him signed. Joined the Cubs organization. He was in South Bend in 2017. 13 starts. Only 51 and two-thirds innings, 39 hits, 74 strikeouts, a 279 ERA. And the Midwest League hit just 214 against Cease. That was a season that, from my broadcaster standpoint, was the most frustrating season sitting behind the mic, calling these games, and watching Dylan Cease so many times be taken out of the ball game early. It was like they put saran wrap around him. Think about it. 13 starts, 51 innings. That's about four innings a start. He turned his ankle, continued to throw while the ankle recovered, and yet he would get 20, 25 pitches in starts after that. Soon after, he was traded. It was like the Cubs knew they were going to trade him the whole time and they just wanted to get him to the deadline without getting hurt, but yet showing enough of his promise to another team. And that team ended up being the Chicago White Sox as Cease and Aloy Jimenez went to the south side for Jose Quintana, one of the most disastrous trades in recent Cub history. 
And Cease is now turning into the type of pitcher many thought he would become. Last year, with the White Sox, 32 starts, a 2.20 earn run average, 184 innings. It's pretty good when he gets to pitch. Only giving up 126 hits. He did walk 78. That is the one thing about Cease that gets him into trouble. But he struck out 227 batters in 184 innings. The opposition hit just 190 against Cease. Always has had that electric fastball. The knuckle curve has been good. I remember in South Bend he was trying to learn a changeup, and there was a sequence in which he struck out Vladimir Guerrero Jr. of Lansing with that changeup he was trying to master. Still not a pitch he's going to rely on consistently in big moments, but another part of the arsenal. Last night, sees for the White Sox, six and a third innings, just two hits allowed, an earn run. He did not walk an Astro. They're known for working counts, so that just shows you how good Cease was last night. And he struck out 10 Houston Astros. 86 pitches, 62 strikes. Got a no decision, but at the end of the day, the White Sox knocked off the Astros by a tally of 3-2. to two. If the White Sox are going to win the AL Central, They need Dylan Cease to be awfully good this year. And our final hat trick of opening topics for tonight's program, just to look at opening day for Major League Baseball. On Wednesday's program, I broke down all the new rules in Major League Baseball, what I like, what I didn't like, what you should expect as a baseball fan, and I thought it went pretty well, actually, on opening day. And the games were quicker. Let me give you some data. In 2022, the average Major League Baseball game was 3 hours and 11 minutes. This season, there is a pitch clock. Batters can have violations. Pitchers can have violations. Base runners can have violations, which I actually didn't know until it happened yesterday. You've got the bigger bases trying to make the players safer on plays at bases and also to get more stolen bases and the shift has gone away so all those things added together they want more runs in less amount of time so last year three hours and 11 minutes was the average game 26 minutes faster on opening day this year this year's games on average two hours and 45 minutes Last year on opening day, the shortest game, let me say that again, the shortest game on opening day last year was two hours and 49 minutes. That's above the average speed of the games on opening day this year. Last year, 13 of the 15 games went over three hours. Some of the examples, the Cubs and the Brewers played At Wrigley Field, that game, 2 hours and 21 minutes. The White Sox and the Astros down in Houston, 2 hours and 38 minutes. And the Tigers and the Rays in Tampa, they played the quickest game yesterday, a rapid 2 hours and 4 minutes. Now, at the end of the day, the pace of the games were better. The runs being scored were similar to opening day last year. That didn't change a whole lot. But the big difference was stolen bases and stolen bases attempted. On opening day last year, Major League Baseball teams attempted only five stolen bases on opening day. Four were successful. But yesterday, how about 23 stolen base attempts? 21 were successful. Only Austin Hedges and Wilson Contreras throughout runners attempting to steal in yesterday's action. So stolen bases were up 17 from opening day last year. People want the ball in play, players in motion. We got the players in motion yesterday, and I'll tell you what, the shift made such a big difference. There were a lot of weekly hit baseballs that found their way into the outfield because you can only have two fielders on each side of the second base bag, and you had to stay on the infield dirt. So a lot more, I would say, cheap hits 
In fact, the Blue Jays had 19 hits against St. Louis yesterday. 11 of the hits were on balls that only measured 80 miles per hour or below an exit velocity, which is not very much. That's broken bats, bloopers that found holes. Hey, that's going to happen with now these shifts going away. So I think a pretty good day for Major League Baseball. 526 is our time. I'm Darren Pritchett coming up next. And Silla College basketball coach Jeremy Herring will join me to discuss playing for Micah Shrewsbury at IU South Bend. That conversation is next on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. When it comes to wings. Home of the Fighting Irish and tonight's women's Final Four and tomorrow's men's Final Four. Sports Radio 960, WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Great to be with you on this Friday evening. Let's talk some college basketball. I'm joined by a former Jimtown Jimmy, now the head coach at Ancilla College for their men's basketball program. And back in his playing days, he spent a little time playing at IU South Bend for Micah Shrewsbury, who is now the new head basketball coach of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. We welcome Jeremy Herring to the program. Jeremy, good to be with you. How are you this evening? Doing fantastic, Darren. I appreciate you having me on. Happy Friday to everyone. Happy Friday to you as well. We greatly appreciate your time this evening. Well, you had the chance to be around Coach Shrewsbury for a couple of years at IU South Bend. First off, just a little background information. Were you there when Coach Shrewsbury took over as head coach, or did he bring you to IU South Bend? Right. I was there. Uh, I was already there. Right, I had just finished my uh, junior year um, when uh, the coaching change occurred, and so Coach Shrews came in, and um, I remember the first call I got from him in the summertime after he was hired and um, introduced himself and um, learned real quick that uh, this was a special individual. And so uh, I stuck around and finished my career with him as the head coach. It sounds like, Jeremy, that when Micah took over that IU South Bend program, there was a need to kind of rebuild the program. It was a program that needed maybe a little boost. I mean, he was the first time full-time head coach in IU South Bend history. What do you remember about the program when he took over, and and what did you see from him that helped him turn around that program? Absolutely. You know, when he came in, he came in uh, as a professional basketball coach. He was a basketball coach. I think he brought with him um, – a winning mentality. I think he has some gravitas about him. Uh, he came in and brought a big time mentality uh, to our school. And um, that was exciting to be a part of. He made the players feel like we were a part of a big time program. We may not have had campus life at the time of some of the more established schools, may not have had the culture of winning and the tradition of winning at the time, but he absolutely had a way about the way that he went about his business every day to make us believe that we were a part of a big-time program. I think about some of the things uh, that he did immediately. He started to implement uh, individual skills work and small group work with the team, um, film sessions, intensive film sessions, and accountability in the film room. Um, you know, even little stuff down to apparel. I mean, he, hmm. he just ma- made it feel like uh, we were – a big-time program, and uh, it's one of the great takeaways um, from my time with him is big-time truly is where you're at. You know, you may not have the resources uh, of some of the other schools, but you can be big-time with the big-time work ethic they pay and how to go about your business every day. And, you know, I've tried to carry that over to my work now with uh, Marion Ancilla. Mm. And, you know, may not have the campus life, may not have the facilities, but you can be big-time and accomplish big-time things uh, based on how you go about your um your business. Jeremy, I love your comments there. I think back to his press conference yesterday. He joked how far he had come from being the IU South Bend head coach to now being the head coach of the Fighting Irish. And listening to you describe Micah back in 05, 06, he didn't sound like a guy being a head coach for the first time. I tell you, he, um, he was a good coach. I mean, he came in and he had instant credibility hmm. uh, coming from the Division One level, um, having worked for some fantastic Division Three programs. 
I mean, he, he, he knew what he was doing. In fact, I went back and looked. When he was at DePaul, uh, he sent me a handwritten letter recruiting me to DePaul. When I, was, I said, okay, yeah, he knows what he's doing uh, as a recruiter. <laughs> um, and so he had instant credibility just in terms of um, his basketball knowledge and his passion for uh, the game and for winning. You know, it's almost like he just had a way of you knew uh, he was giving everything he had at any given time, and you did not want to let him down. You know, you wanted to give everything you had as a player. And um, I knew when he came in and he started talking scheme, scouting, strategy. Um, I remember one instance in particular, he was walking through like a rip screen, down screen. Actually, he's like, yeah, we're going to weak side switch this, and we're going to bring the weak side guy over to the top and rotate that uh, cutters man back to the wing. And I'm thinking, okay, uh, yeah, this is a little bit different. And um, he he had knowledge back then. I think he spoke a little bit about it. I did watch that press conference. I was so happy for him. Um, and he talked about how he's grown so much, and I'm sure he has uh, over the time. But, you know, he was a good coach back then, and I enjoyed playing for him. Jeremy Herring is my guest, played for Micah Shrewsbury at IU South Bend. Now he's the head basketball coach at Marin and Silla College in charge of that Chargers program. I know, depending on the team you have, you shape the team around the talent that you have. But I'm just curious, Jeremy, going back to his days when he was your head coach and you've watched him grow through an assistant coach, Butler, and Purdue, and with the Boston Celtics and as a head coach at Penn State, are there some main principles of Micah Shrewsbury, what he wants to accomplish on the floor that he taught you guys that you still see in his teams today? You know, a real interesting question you know i watched him walk onto that stage yesterday and it was just a, such a special thing and i was so happy for him i was happy for coach shrews and the family uh to be back uh have this opportunity to come back to indiana where he's from where he spent most of his professional life as a coach where you know it, it's a place where he used to root for as a youngster place they used to drive by back when he was coaching us and dreaming about what it might be like to coach there. Uh, and I was just so happy for that. It was such a special moment for uh, him. And really for me, just to see the way that his journey has played out to this point, um, you know, happy for Notre Dame. I think they're getting a big-time coach. I think he has been big-time everywhere he's been, back-to-back uh, -back national championship um, appearances there at Butler, uh, keeping Purdue competitive at the top of the Big Ten um and, and bringing back the boston celtics group during the course of a rebuild probably ahead of schedule to a championship level he's he is just uh he has been big time he's big time for us at iu south Bend. he'll be big time at notre dame without a doubt i think back to um how we went about things um in our program and he was just dialed in you know he was prepared um and I think, if anything else, I mean, I wasn't in those locker rooms at those other programs he's been, and I've seen him from a distance. I've seen him from afar. But I do know the work ethic he's going to bring. I do know that he's a connector, and I think that's why he's been such a talented recruiter and a coach is because he is a genuine, authentic individual. The fan base is going to feel that. Um, and he is going to continue to connect, and people are going to feel like they know him. He's going to continue to recruit at a high level, and he's going to recruit fits for Notre Dame. I absolutely believe that. Um, one thing I've seen, you know, he knows the blueprint to be successful at Notre Dame um, based on what they accomplished at Butler. They've had uh, the right fits, the right type of players, continuity, and nobody played harder than Butler, and nobody played mm -hmm. harder than Purdue. And those are the things that are going to translate to winning. I think those are staples. Uh, he's going to recruit the right kind of kids, and they're going to give great effort. And, um, you know, nobody's going to play harder than them. And they're going to have a chance to win. I just know that. Yeah. Jeremy, one thing I love that Micah said yesterday, and it plays into me as a fan, what I want to see from my team, I'm big on the defensive end of the floor. I love teams that dig in on the defensive end. I think if you break the will of the opposition or the offensive end, they're more than likely going to break down on the other end. You might have a chance to score some easy buckets. Do you remember at IU South Bend, was defense something that 
he stressed. And I know he joked at Penn State, they weren't necessarily a, a great defensive team this year, but they were a very smart basketball team. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we were we were a team that, you know, maybe short on talent his initial uh, year or two, but he, you know, we were competitive despite that. And then I think back about that, why and how, you know, in large part it was, you know, defensive scheme. Um, you know, we, we had kind of me as a um, interior player at the time coming back off an injury and, you know, a bunch of guards and just kind of, I just remember thinking back how, uh, we were able to play good enough defense schematically, control the pace of the game, take good shots, let our offense control our defensive pace. Uh, we, we, you know, he used uh, one of our other players um, as a fronting the post, and um, you know, I just, I, I just remember that the defense that we played uh, kept us in and kept us competitive in games. Um, and uh, absolutely. You know, that's it's going to be a staple of what they do at Notre Dame and have no doubt that they're going to be a great defensive team. Jeremy, I know Micah yesterday expressed how important Brad Stevens and Matt Painter have been to him in developing as a basketball coach. I'm wondering, you yourself, as now a basketball coach at Marion Ancilla College, is there bits and pieces of Micah Shrewsbury that are in you or things that I might see in practice at Ancilla that I more than likely are going to see in a Micah Shrewsbury practice at Notre Dame? You know, you will, all right? As, as, when, as a coach now, you know, I felt like I've – been so fortunate to have great teachers and learn from great people. Coach Shrews is obviously one of those. Coach Hodge at Olivet Nazarene played for Jim Parent at IU South Bend for a bit, Randy mm-hmm. Deshaun. I mean, I've, I've had the chance to play and learn from some great coaches, and I'm feel very fortunate about that. If I think back to uh, something that um, I could learn from Coach Shrews is, and that I put into practice still, right, it's really how I interact with and coach my players. Um, I try to connect with them I think one thing that came in uh, when he came in and took over it was the first coach I had excuse me first coach I had where I felt like you know I came from maybe this truly hierarchical coach player relationship it was kind of you know do as told and that I mean I felt like he came to at me more in um on a personal way mm-hmm. and coached me more in a personal way and connected with me more in a personal way and, and, and operated out of maybe, you know, we're in this together and um, kept me confident and uh, was able to motivate me in a way that was maybe specific and individual to me. Um, and so I've tried to carry that over um, into how I go about my day-to-day coaching and interacting with my players. He was fantastic. I mean, one thing I think you could ask all of our teammates is that, we had such great feelings about Coach Shrews, even off the court, just because he's a human. He, he, you know, it's like a human being. We have this relationship, um, and it carries over to the relationship on the court as well. And so, I've tried to carry that over to how I go about coaching every day. It may not necessarily be a drill uh, or anything like that, but it is how he connected with me as a player that I had such great appreciation for. Even in our short time together, I think uh, I was there for a redshirt year and ultimately finished my career there as a senior uh, with him. But that was valuable and impactful, and I've tried to carry that over into what I do today. Jeremy, how would you sort of sum up where that Charger program is right now that you're running at Ancilla? Absolutely. You know, when we – Marion University um, really set up a campus there um, two years ago. Uh, at the old Ancilla College location. Ancilla College really doesn't exist anymore as an institution. It's a Marion campus, okay. all right? And so we're kind of starting starting new down there, and it's really fun to be a part of. I think we're doing great things, uh, exciting things going on down there. Uh, we When I took over the program, Brian Pearson made a call to me. I was practicing law over in Fort Wayne for five years as a trial lawyer. He called me out of the courtroom, back to the basketball court, <laughs> and uh, – you know, I am having just a blast, but I'm, it's really kind of this new start. And when I took over, we had to completely bring in a whole new roster. We returned one player, 
And so it really is, I get a chance to kind of build this new program at this new institution. And I just feel fortunate that I get to coach at a level, impact young people uh, at a place that has some basketball winning tradition um, in the last decade or so. And I get to do it with an academic sort of uh, institution like Marion University. We went 12 and 12 last year. Uh, I'm excited about the future. We have some great players coming in, great players coming back. I really think we're on the cusp of a breakthrough on the national level. I'd really encourage everyone in the community to get down to 25, 30 minutes, down 31 to the LifeFlex in Plymouth, check out a game. Uh, this is a high-level basketball. Uh, we're talking scholarship-level basketball, NJCAA, uh, and we're looking to – uh, compete, and I think we'll have a really, really good group coming back next year. And I'm really excited about what's uh, what's next, Coach. I would imagine basketball players in this area are on your radar and probably are going to be a big part of your program down the line. Absolutely, you know we're in such a, a basketball hotbed for talent, and South Bend, Elkhart, uh, the surrounding areas. Uh, so many good players. We're kind of right there in the crossroads between Indianapolis and Chicago as well, and we've been able to expand our sort of reach and recruiting base uh, beyond our general area. But there is good enough players right here for us to win, and we want to build our foundation with the best players in the area. And I guarantee you, if you look around, social media and otherwise, we are going after the best players <laughs> in the area. Um, we just are. And I'm quite frankly because they can help us. And uh, we want to be a home for the talent in this area, and we want to be a place where the community can come out and um, support these guys, continue to follow their career, and hopefully we are a launching pad for where these guys will ultimately end up for their four-year degrees. That's where we want to be. That's our vision, is you come here because it's the best place for you to ultimately reach your goals, whether it's academically, spiritually, athletically, or otherwise. We want to be that launching pad for you. And we're a great place to do that. Mm, well said. Hey, one more for you, Coach, really quick here, and yeah. I really appreciate your time. Yeah. I've had the the pleasure to get to know one of your good friends, Mishawaka basketball coach Bodie Bender, and you guys played together at Jimtown. Is there any truth to the fact that your senior year you're playing at the semi-state level, that the the senior class ahead of you, the year ahead of you, once they get out of the way, you guys really took off? Is there any truth to this rumor that I was told today? I let the records speak for themselves on that. Um, that's all I could say about that. I tell you what, we've had such a that's such a special group. All right, and I and, and Coach Bender's a coach. Uh, he he just is, and it's amazing to think about how many coaches in that group that I came up with uh, in that community turned out to be coaches. Just even in this area, you can look around and see. Uh, it was a special place. Uh, Love their athletics and learned a lot of life lessons uh, on the playing fields and saw how firsthand how impactful that can be and how a community can sort of galvanize by sports. And I just think, uh, you know, I, I see like Coach Benner, Coach Deshaun, and, yeah. you know, Ty Tyler late in the pan. I see all these guys continuing to build and just making an impact. And um, it's been great to see, to see that. So I'm just happy for all of them. And it's fun to be back coaching. I know that. Awesome. Coach, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate your time. And it's going to be a lot of fun to watch Coach Shrewsbury take over this Notre Dame basketball program to see where he can take it to. Mike Bray built a wonderful foundation, and Mike coming in trying to take it to the next level. And continued success with you down with that Charger basketball program as well. Absolutely. I appreciate it very much and uh, hope to talk with you soon. You bet. Thank you so much, Coach. Have a great evening. All right. Thank you. You bet. That is Jeremy Herring, who played at Jimtown, head basketball coach at Marion and Silla College. And as I mentioned, and we talked about, played for Micah Shrewsbury at IU South Bend. It is 11 minutes in front of 6 o'clock. We have our Twitter question of the day coming up in a moment. Still to come, more from Coach Shrewsbury's press conference yesterday. You'll hear more from Micah coming up as we kick off the 6 o'clock hour on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Hey, this is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. 
Six minutes in front of six o'clock. Sportsbeat continues on WSBT Radio. I'm Darren Pritchett. Again, thanks to Jeremy Herring, men's basketball coach at Marion and Silla College and played for Micah Shrewsbury at IU South Bend. To our Twitter question of the day, we have a question from yesterday's program that was posted on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat that you had the opportunity to vote on. The question was, which Notre Dame player will have the most success in taking over for a departed key player? Your choices, tight end Mitchell Evans replacing Michael Mayer or Viper Jordan Botello replacing Isaiah Foskey. Very, very close vote. Winning with 50.9% of the vote, tight end Mitchell Evans replacing Michael Mayer. Evans had three catches for 39 yards and a touchdown. With Mayer on the sideline watching the game in street clothes, as Mayer had a good game against South Carolina in the Gator Bowl, and Evans with those three catches for 39 and a score, he barely beats out Viper Jordan Botello, who will be possibly replacing Isaiah Foskey. Botello got 49.1% of the vote. We thank you for voting. Greatly appreciate your time in doing so. We've got a question for today. And it focuses on Houston, Texas, and the NCAA Men's Basketball Final Four. We've got a four seed, two fives, and a nine seed battling for the national championship. Only UConn has been to the Final Four before. So the question is simple. Who do you believe will win the NCAA Men's Basketball National Championship Monday night? Are you going to go with those owls from Florida Atlantic? They've got palm trees on their basketball floor. Or are you going to go with a guy who has some Michigan Wolverine roots, the head coach of San Diego State? Will the Aztecs cut down the nets? Are you going to go with the team from the ACC, the Miami Hurricanes? And your fourth choice, a team that has been there and done that under Jim Calhoun, the Yukon Huskies. So, who will win the NCAA Men's Basketball National Championship? You can vote right now on my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. And again, your choices, Florida Atlantic, San Diego State, Miami, and Yukon. And we thank you in advance for taking part in our question. Well, we had four individuals who nailed our opening day wings, etc. contest. The question was, how many runs scored would the Cubs and the White Sox combine for on opening day? The correct answer was seven. The Cubbies scored four and the Southsiders three, both victorious on opening day. We had four people who nailed seven right on the button. So now we are going to draw for who's going to win the $50 gift card from Wings, etc. from those four individuals. Let me reach over here. Turn my head. And we have come up with the name of Joshua Sauer. Joshua Sauer, who had seven as the total. You have won a $50 gift card from Wings, etc. Congratulations. I'll be in touch. And we'll get that Wings, etc. $50 gift card out to you. We thank you for participating on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat for our Twitter question of the day and that contest for the $50 gift card from Wings, etc. 558. More from Micah Shrewsbury's press conference yesterday is coming up next on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. You can listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the app store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett. 610 at WSBT. Great to have you with us on this Friday evening, hour number two of the program. 
Brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Buds for you. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger now with three locations to serve you. Barnaby's the family in. Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt, don't shop for new beginnings, have happy endings. And the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. Micah Shrewsbury, new Notre Dame men's basketball coach. He met the media and you, the fans, yesterday. Just a few moments ago, you heard from one of his former players at IU South Bend, Jeremy Herring. And if you missed that, you'll be able to listen to it on our demand site at wsbtradio.com and also on the free WSBT radio app. More from Micah Shrewsbury right now. First off, he spent a good amount of time with Brad Stevens. Knew him as a youth, and they worked together at Butler and with the Boston Celtics, and Micah was asked to describe the influence Brad Stevens has had on his coaching career. Brad is, Brad is such, you know, he, he's a great mentor. He's a great friend. Um, you know, he and I grew up playing basketball in the playground in Indianapolis back in 1995. Um, so... You know, my opportunity to go work with him and see him up close and personal, uh, work with him for 10 years, right? What I learned during that time was, like, the genuineness of who he is, how he treats people, how he treats people on staff, um, how you communicate with players, how you get the best out of your players, um, how you mold a team. We did that at a lot of different levels. Um, at a school like Butler, at a program like the Boston Celtics. Um, I, I think if you look at those teams, the togetherness, the toughness, those are things I've tried to emulate. Um, he, I call him, you know, every other day, and we still talk. He's probably tired of me. Uh, but I call him every other day and pick his brain on advice, um, whether it's job advice or whether it's um, player development advice. And... The biggest thing is he's a friend. He's there for you, right? Brad texts after the losses. Nobody texts you when you get beat. Uh, just so everybody knows this. Um, it's okay to text somebody when they get beat. Like, we understand it. But, like, you get a 1,000 texts when good things happen. Nobody texts you when you lose. Brad texts you when you get beat. That's the kind of person he is. So, basketball-wise, like, philosophies, a lot of what we do is very similar to what we were doing at Butler, what we were doing at Boston. So, you know, I borrow a lot of those philosophies, um, but who he is as a person is more of how I try and, you know, be like him. And boy, did they have some success together, Butler getting to those back-to-back national championship games and rebuilding that Boston Celtics organization. He worked with another pretty good coach, Purdue's Matt Painter, on two different occasions. Like He showed me how to run a program, right? His program is running flawlessly right now. Uh, It's just a well-oiled machine, recruiting, player development, everything else. Um, I got to see the, you know, every part of that. But he also let me experiment and do things. He let me bring ideas, and he was not, um, he was so comfortable that it was okay, right? There were things that, that maybe didn't work or even, like, we failed and I messed up and he took all the heat for that right but he was trying to continue to push his program forward um, so I, I thank him so much for that and I still talk to him all the time you know we were in the same league and I'd, I'd call him all the time I'd call him once a week or once every two weeks and we're talking about different things like nobody does that in league um, that's just the kind of person he is and the relationship that we have um, so I learned so much from both of those guys uh, in different areas, and I take a lot from them. But if you would talk to them both, the main thing that they always say is, you just got to be yourself. Just got to be yourself. Yeah. Some of the comments of new Notre Dame men's basketball coach Micah Shrewsbury at yesterday's press conference at the University of Notre Dame. Again, we just talked to Jeremy Herring a couple of moments ago who played for Micah at IU South Bend, and here is Coach Shrewsbury 
discussing how far he has come as a basketball coach from his time at IU South Bend almost 20 years ago to now being the head coach of the Fighting Irish. It's, it's, such, a, it's such a vast difference. When I left college, I had this crazy goal in mind that I wanted to be a head coach at the age of 30, but I had no idea how hard that would be. Uh, but when I took the job at, at IUSB, I, I turned 30 that summer. And so I reached my goal, I, I, I hit it, um, but I had no idea what I was doing, right? I, I appreciate all those guys that, that played for me, that were there, um, all that they did, but I didn't know who I wanted to be as a coach. I, I took pieces from who I worked for, who I played for, and that's thought, that, I thought that was who I should be. I didn't have a philosophy. Um, I wasn't being myself, right? And now, full circle moment, um, I'm way more comfortable in who I am, who I am as a coach, who I want to coach, how I want to do it, uh, how I want things to run. So um, I thank them for, like, for going through what they did with me. Um, and I still talk to a lot of those guys, and, and uh, I'll be, you know, it'll be good to see them now that I'm back here in town. But, um, it's complete. It's night and day. It's night and day from when I was there. Um, gladly. If it wasn't night and day, I wouldn't be standing here right now. There you go. Micah Shrewsbury, the new head basketball coach of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. And it sounds like his son, Braden's eventually going to arrive here in South Bend. Part of the class of 2024 was committed to play for his dad at Penn State. But we got the idea yesterday that this young shooting guard eventually is going to make his way to South Bend to play for this Fighting Irish basketball program. So another storyline to watch. And sounds like Mike is heavily involved in the portal, doing recruiting right now, recruiting players who have signed, players who might be joining the Irish in the near future. It's a busy time as he tries to reshape this Fighting Irish roster left behind from the departure of a lot of veteran players. 617, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Darren Pritchett with you. Let's take a timeout. We'll wrap up the program with some sports wagering conversation. And then at 630, we will join ESPN Radio for their play-by-play of the Women's Basketball Final Four. Sports Beat on 960 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 